Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. And welcome to all of you. If I've never had a chance to meet you before, my name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here in New Beginnings. I'm so excited to be with you here today. And let's give it up to our Bayville campus who's with us as well. Amen. You know, I'm excited to be speaking the second week here today of Summer Playlist. And God really has put this message on my heart. And it's really because this is something that I've been working through. Well, really, God's been working in me for the last couple months. And the topic of fear, and if you've heard me talk before, even hosting, you've probably heard me talk about fear a lot. Fear is something that I suffered with for a long time. And if we're honest, if any of us, we all have a heartbeat going right now, there is a time, if you have a heartbeat, that you face a fear in your life, right? There's definitely a time that you face a fear. We all have fears. Some people have fears. Some people are scared of clowns. Some people are scared of people. Some people are scared of certain type of animals. I, some people are scared of heights. I have a fear. See, I'm not scared of heights. Heights don't bother me. I can go on roller coasters. I can go somewhere really high and look down. Heights don't bother me, but I have a weird fear of ladders. Don't know what it is. I'm not scared if I'm at the top of the ladder. I'm just actually scared of climbing a ladder. I don't know why. Pray for me. But anytime I go on a ladder, it's not like the most manly thing because my wife will look at me and I'll be like, my legs will be shaking. She's like, I think you need to go one ring higher. I'm like, I think I'm okay. Trying to stand on my tippy toes. I'm not scared of heights, but I'm scared of ladders. And and this morning, actually, it was very funny because my wife has a fear, too. My wife, Bianca, and this morning, I'm in our bedroom, and I'm kind of just going over this message for this weekend. And I'm going through it, and I hear her yell my name. I hear her yell, Matt. Now, there's two ways she yells Matt. One of the ways she yells Matt, it's like, I know I did something. And I'm like, what did I do? It wasn't that. It was like a fear. So I heard her scream, Matt, and I'm like, oh my gosh, and I know my daughter, Everest, was out there with her, so I bolt from the bedroom, and I see her, like, skidding away, and there was just, like, a little spider on the ground, <laughs> which is normal. Some people are scared of f- spiders, but we all have fears in our lives. Now, what I want to talk about here, most of the time, and I know in my life, and this is what God has been working through me, and I know for all of us, this could be true. A lot of the times, our fear could be coming from a lack of faith. And that's why we experience fear. And what I want to help us discover here today and this weekend is this. I want us to learn how to walk by faith in a fear-filled world. Because fear is all around us. Our culture throws fear at us. People throw fear at us. But God is not fear. God is love. And how we can walk by faith even in the midst of fear. And obviously from the song, Another in the Fire, which that's what I'm going to be talking about, we're going to be looking at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three guys that had fear right in front of them. And I want to look at how they lived a life of faith, even in the midst of that fear. How they walked through that fear. And that's what I want to look at here. And if you could turn, if you have your Bibles, you can go to Daniel chapter 3. That's where we're going to be for most of the part today, if you have your Bible app as well. And listen, this is a very popular story. So maybe you're thinking, oh, I've heard this before. I've read this a hundred times. You know it inside out. But I want to just challenge you to see this with a fresh set of eyes here today. Amen? And I want to look at this story. And the question I have is this. If we walk by faith in a fear-filled world, the question I have is, what should make our lives distinct as followers of Christ in the midst of fearful circumstances? I'm going to say that again. What should make our lives distinct as followers of Christ in the midst of fearful circumstances? And when I ask that question, when I say that word distinct, I'm not referring to that. What that's really referring to 
is something internal, not external. I'm not talking about what makes our lives distinct as in what uh, type of clothes we wear or what car, kind of car we drive or what kind of movies we choose to go to. I'm talking about what makes us internally different when we're faced with fearful, fearful circumstances. I want to look at it internally, and we're going to start reading this story, so let's go to it. We're going to look at Daniel chapter 3, verses 8 to 18, so you can follow along with me, follow along in your Bibles. And forgive me if I mispronounce names, okay? I'm going to try my best. It says, but some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments. So we're seeing this situation playing out. And it says, that decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blaming furnace. You want to talk about fear here for a second. And then it says, but there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true? So he's asking them. They're in front of him now. And he says, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I've made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Going back to what makes them eternally de- internal, what the difference is here in the midst of a fearful circumstance, they say this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. These three guys are living a faithful life here. And I know we just dropped into the middle of the story here. And I just want to make sure if you don't know this story that is taking place in the Old Testament, I just want to give you a little bit of background into it. In this book, it's in the book of Daniel. And in chapter 1, verse 1, it informs us in this book that during the year of King, King Jehoiakim, J, we're going to call King J's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. So we see Nebuchadnezzar came and he besieged it. And then verse 3 says, the king ordered his chief of staff to bring the palace, some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. So what we need to know here is King Nebuchadnezzar, he's taken captive young men of Judah, and among those young men is Daniel and his friends. And Daniel is who the person of this book is written about. And so that's the setting. They're taken captive, and they're living under a pagan ruler, King Nebuchadnezzar, in the nation of Babylon. And once they're there, King Nebuchadnezzar, he starts to get a big head when he's there. And he starts getting power hungry, and he starts asserting his power, and he sets sets up gold statues, and he sets up false gods, and he tells people that when you hear the instruments, you need to bow down to them. And it wasn't an option or a suggestion for these people that he was saying it. He was making it a decree to them. This wasn't an option they had. He was saying, you have to do this. Every time you hear it, you have to fall down and bow to these statues, bow to these false gods. So the first principle that I want to look at here today is this. A life of faith will be marked with conflict. This is true. A life of faith will be marked 
with conflict. Let's look back at verses 13 to 14. It says that Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you, res- that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? So we see these three guys here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now they are in the face of conflict. And this right here for them, this is the biggest platform of Scripture that they have in the Bible that they see that. And their background was, again, they were from the exile from Babylon with Daniel. Okay, and they got caught. And Daniel, you know Daniel from Daniel in the Lions Den. He was their friend. And the first six chapters of the book of Daniel deal with his life. It's not just about the Lions Den. The first six chapters deal with Daniel's life in the face of unrest. And the cool thing is, is this, and I just want to set the background for these three guys a little bit, because at Daniel's request in chapter 2, these three guys are actually promoted. Daniel uh, chapter 2, verse 49 says this, at Daniel's request, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were promoted to be in charge of all the affairs of the province of Babylon. It's very interesting because that means that these three men actually served as leaders and administrators in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom despite the fact that they were Jews. So you can imagine Nebuchadnezzar's rage as well here. Because besides the fact that they aren't falling down, he's, he's thinking to them, you are leaders and administrators in my kingdom, and you're not doing this. So we see that they are living a life of faith in the face of a conflict. There is a huge conflict here for these three guys. And this conflict between them, it's between the king and them. So this type of conflict is a conflict that a lot of us can relate to in our lives. It's interpersonal conflict. It's a conflict between them and the king. And this is a normal, normally the kind of conflict that we deal with, right? Conflict with our relatives. Amen. No, conflict with our spouse, maybe. Conflict with our people in our workplace, whatever it may be. We deal with this conflict a lot in our lives. And that's the conflict that we see here in verses 13 and 14. They're having a conflict with the king. But before we see this conflict, we see a different type of conflict that they're facing. Because in verse 11... Before they're facing this interpersonal conflict with the king, they're facing actually an internal conflict. Because verse 11, it says, that decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. They're facing an interpersonal, an inner, sorry, they are facing an internal conflict because there is a law that was issued that does not line up with their values. And they have a decision to make. So before they ever face an external or an interpersonal conflict, they faced an internal conflict in their lives in verse 11. And they had to wrestle with fear in the face of this challenge to their values. And honestly, for some of us, that that might be no different than us. And this time in our culture, we face internal values all the time. Maybe we don't realize it. Maybe we're hanging out in places that we know we shouldn't be hanging out. Or maybe we're in conversations we know we shouldn't be in. Or maybe we're watching things we know we shouldn't be watching. We go through internal conflicts all the time as well. We can relate to that on an extent. And something I've noticed in my life is these type of internal struggles that we have will at some point show up in a tangible conflict. I can say that true for my life. Something I struggle with internally, eventually it's going to show up in a tangible conflict. If I keep, if I don't do anything about it, if I don't go to God with it, if I don't try to help him deal, deal with me in this. And most of us, thank God, we're not in verses 13 and 14, but we're standing before a leader of a nation who's threatening to throw us into a furnace. The closest we get to that is when we're grilling and maybe worried about burning our eyebrows or something, right? We're not getting threatened to get thrown into a furnace here like they are, but we face this all the time. So these three guys have two questions that they have to ask themselves now. The two questions they have to ask is, do I want to live 
or do I want to be faithful? And also, they're asking themselves, what satisfies my heart more? Two questions that they have to wrestle with in the face of this fear. And, you know, some people might think when we start following Jesus that we're not going to face conflicts, and that is not true. I don't know if, if, if you think that, but that is not true. We're going to face conflicts. But the best thing is, is when we're following Jesus, we have him with us. Amen? That's the best thing. But we're going to face conflicts because a life of faith will be marked with times of conflict. Jesus actually tells us this, and he reminds us, though. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. He tells us we're going to face trials, but he also tells us that he has overcome the world and that he is with us. Amen? So a lot of the times when we're facing conflict, an internal conflict, a temptation might be to ask ourselves the question is, well, what do I want the outcome to be in this situation? The problem with that is a lot of the times, I don't know about you, but we try to control the outcomes, right? And in this situation, that's really the wrong question to ask. When we're facing an internal conflict, we shouldn't ask, what do I want the outcome to be? We should be asking, how can I honor God in this situation? Because that changes everything. And that's what these three men are thinking. They're not thinking, what do I want the outcome to be? They're saying, how, can I, how are we going to honor God? How are we going to live faithfully for him, even in the midst of this fear in front of us, even in the midst of this situation in front of us? They're staring death. They're staring fire straight in the face, fear in the face. And I don't know about you, but if we've been in their shoes, I know myself personally, it would have been likely maybe we would have bowed down before the king, if we're going to be honest. And think about it. These guys, besides sitting um, and being in front of this situation and facing this situation, think about it. Their lives, they were away from their families right now. And they're also serving in the king's administration. It could have been easy for them to look at each other and just say, well, let's just, when we hear it, let's just bow down, but we're not going to mean it. Let's just bow down, we won't mean it. Or, you know, well, we're in this position of authority here, so we kind of have to be obedient to this, so let's do it. But they didn't do that. And this is something that God spoke to me personally. Because I know sometimes when I, can, when I face an internal struggle or an internal conflict, it could be easy for me to start thinking and start saying, God spoke to me, I'll say, well, God knows my heart. But that's not really the best thing to say because when I notice in my life, when I say that, to try to justify something by saying, but God knows my heart, the problem with that is my life is simply the overflow of my heart, which means my heart is my life. And he, God challenged me with that when he spoke that to me. But think about it. For us, practically, what does that mean? It means for us to live our lives sometimes in a way that is countercultural. That might not line up with the cultural values, but lines up with God's values. And for us to take that stand and us to be bold. And just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And something I've noticed is this. And I see this in their life. That before your faith is publicly tested, your values will be challenged internally. A lot of the times when we're seeing this playing out in their life. We've all experienced internal conflict. And when we come to that point of eternal conflict, that what we have to realize is this. A life of faith obeys before the outcome is realized. A life of faith obeys before the outcome is realized. I want to go back to verse 16 and 18. This is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saying this to the king. They replied this. They said, um, verse 16, it says, We do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, 
Look at that, though. I just want to say that again, because there's two things I want you to realize here, because we're going to see they actually gave up control. They say, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. They're not worrying about defending themselves because they know God is going to defend them. Amen? And it says, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. We see in this situation, especially verse 18, they gave up control. They gave up control. They were putting the control in God's hands. They were trusting in him. And our natural tendencies as humans, we want to try to control the outcomes. We have to surrender that to God. We have to put our trust in him. Because a life of faith obeys before the outcome is realized. Hebrews 11.1 says, it says, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for, for it is the evidence of things we cannot see. We We need to believe it before we see it, not see it and then believe it. And Daniel 3.18, we see these young men's choice to obey despite having no idea what the outcome would be. They, 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 they knew, they were believing God that he's going to rescue them in this. They were believing God that he was going to be with them. They were believing God that he was going to set them free, that, that no harm would come upon them. And they, but the thing that is so great about their life, and we see them living a life of faith, is they didn't serve God just because he assured them that he was going to rescue them. They knew it was possible. They were believing for that, but that's not why they served him. They didn't say, we will obey God if he rewards us for doing it. That's not what they said. Because true faith confesses Lord, confesses Jesus, and obeys him regardless of the consequences. And I want to get to the part now with fear, because what stops us on a practical level on a practical level of living this life of faith. And a lot of the times, it is fear. That's what hinders us. That's what stops us from living this life of faith, is fear. When we struggle with fear, when we struggle of letting go of control, when we struggle with our thoughts, when we're not trusting God, that's a lot of the times what stops us. That's what stops us from living by faith on a daily basis. And fear, and I've seen it in my life, is a lot of the times it's a form of not having full confidence or faith in God and his character. Faith is obeying God's God based on one's confidence in the character of God. And that's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were doing here. Our job is to obey God and trust in his promises. Amen? And fear could stop us from doing that. And I know me personally, I could struggle with fear a lot, and I have struggled with fear a lot. And a lot of the times when I realize when I'm, when I'm going through fear, I'm not trusting God. I'm going to be honest with you. One thing that I don't like, and I'm not saying I don't like them in terms of I don't think they're fun and I don't think they're awesome. I just don't like them because it brings me fear is big events. Big events. I don't like big events. He's like, because it's true. And the thing is, when I do youth ministry, we have a lot of big events. Right? I'm not even kidding. My daughter's going to be one years old. And when I even got my wife started talking about it, I got a whiff that she wanted a big party. I started panicking because it's a big event. I'm like, you got to bring both family together. You got to bring friends together. I was like, that to me is chaos. But we could struggle with fear. And the thing is, when I go through big events, and we just had one recently, and I experienced this, and this is where God spoke this to me, is this, is you know when like life's going good, right? And you're just, you're, you're going, God is so amazing. Praise the Lord. And like you wake up in the morning from your alarm clock and you're like, I want to hit snooze and maybe I'll sleep 15 more minutes and you wait for your alarm clock again. When I have big events for a couple weeks, I don't need an alarm clock. Because I am my alarm clock, so I'm literally waking up every hour in the middle of the night, like, sweating, because I'm just fearful, like, overthinking everything. I'm just being honest. Like, I'm my own alarm clock. And now I don't really need one either, because I have an 11-month-old daughter, so she's my alarm clock. But 
I'm waking up all the time. And the last event we had, I was waking up in the middle of the night just stressing about it and literally thinking about, if I told you, you would just laugh because you, you'd be like, what do you even worry about that? But I'm experiencing fear. And God was speaking to me like, why don't I trust him? I don't even look at the past and how he was there. I'm so worried about some details and not worrying about him actually working in these students' lives. I have to surrender everything to him. Amen? And maybe you guys don't have a fear of big events. Maybe you have a fear of going into work each and every day. Maybe you have a fear of, of stepping into a new thing God is calling you into. Whatever it may be, we need to let go of that fear and trust him. Amen? Trust him on a daily basis. So I, have, I have four points that I want to give you here today of how do we win the battle against fear on a daily basis and on a practical level. Number one is this. Renew your mind about the character of God. This is huge because the harder we believe something, or the harder we have believe or have faith doesn't sustain us. What sustains us is in the object of our faith. What is the actual object of our faith? Because I could believe with all of my heart as strongly as I want that the moon is made of cheese, but that's not going to happen, right? That's not going to happen. What is the object of what we're believing? And when we know the truth about God's character and who he is, that could help us put our faith in him and trust in him. So I want to give you just four quick things of who God is. And there's way more of who he is in these, but these are what speaks to my heart. Number one, we need to know about the character of God, that he is a personal God. Philippians 4.19 says, And the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. He is a personal God. He is there for each and every one of us. He doesn't select a few. It says God shows no favoritism. He is a very personal God, and he wants us to take care of our needs. He wants to be there for us, not just financially, but in every way God wants to meet our needs. Number two is he is a sovereign God. Colossians 1.17 says he existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Another characteristic of God is he is faithful. It says, because of the Lord's great love, it says in Lamentations, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And another one, and the last one I have here is, this is important for us to really know, is God is for us. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. We need to renew our minds around these verses, our minds around who this God is, who our God is, the character of him, and we need to put our faith in him. He is faithful. Amen? Another truth and practical way to win the war against fear is this, when we're facing fear, is this. Grow in your love for God. Grow in your love for God. In 1 John 4, 18, it says, Such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. This is something important. Long before Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faced the pressures of verse 18, and even verses 13 and 14, they had to determine in verse 11 how they would respond to this conflict, how they would respond to this fear when their convictions and their values were challenged. And a lot of the times I know this is because just like these three young men, for us, just like them, this type of response doesn't just happen on the spot. It's an overflow of an intimate relationship with Jesus. Amen? We need to be growing in our love for Christ because in knowing who he is, because we don't want to just wait until we face the fire, right? Or we face a challenge or we face a fear that's in front of us. We don't want to wait to then to say, God, who, who actually are you? What does your word say about you? What does your word say about me and what you are there and your promises to me? We want to know that long before. And we want to have that relationship with him, that intimate relationship growing in our love for him. Amen? Amen? 
Number three, remember what Jesus has already done. I love in the song, I love that. In the song, it talks about we how looking at the cross. And then I love when it says, looking at it says there is a grave that holds no body. Talking about Jesus' body, because he what did he do? He defeated death, he rose again. Remember what Jesus has done. He went to the cross and died for us, and he defeated death. The tomb is empty. When we're facing fear, we need to remember what he has done and remember also what he has already done in our lives. Amen. You know, my daughter Everest, she is starting to, she's like 11 months now, so we're starting to see her personality a little bit. Most of it is good. <laughs> but my wife always kids around, people say that, you know, when you have a kid, um, they'll say, oh, I could see your wife in her when she does this, or I could see you in her when she does this. My wife will be telling me, I could see you so much when Everest does this, and, and normally it's when she's being dramatic. She's like, I totally could see you. And I'm like, listen, okay, she's got some good things about me too, like my wonderful personality. No. But she is going to naturally pick up habits from me, right? She's going to act certain ways I do, hopefully mostly good, and hopefully the bad ones, the characteristics that I have, she won't do and she'll work through. But the thing is, is of course, we really shouldn't be surprised when they say, oh, she's, I could see her, you in her when she does that because she has my DNA, right? And if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have his DNA. It says you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. So you can remember what he does. And because of what he did, you can say now, well, I don't have a spirit of fear because it says I have a spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. So we need to remember what he has did, what he purchased for us, and what we also have as followers of Jesus. Amen? And number four, my last point for this one is this. Know that you're never alone. And I know that might, that might sound like cliche, like, okay, know that I'm never alone, but it is true. We are never alone. And I want to look at the end of this story and how it wraps up here. So we're going to go to Daniel chapter 3, verse 19 now. It says, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. And then verse 24 says, But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar said, and shouted, actually. He said, I see four men. He threw three men in. He says, I see four men, unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their head was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted him. 
and they defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. They weren't alone because that person with them was Jesus. And the great thing about this is you see what happened. They weren't even, they went inbound, they came out free. Not even a hair on their head was singed. Jesus Christ was with them and he is with us. And in this song, there's something I love so much in this song that I didn't realize and I'm so glad that I didn't realize it until I was preparing this message. Because I just have a tendency with songs, sometimes I'll sing the wrong lyrics, but I, I don't care. But when I was writing this message, I said, I want to read these lyrics word for word. And this was I don't remember when it was. It was a couple weeks ago, but I actually ran to Pastor Mike's source, our worship pastor here, and I said, I don't know if you saw this in this song, but it's something I realized, and he was like, yeah, I knew it said that. That's what the whole thing's about, but it's okay, because I'm happy I saw it for the first time then, because it became real to me. If you noticed in this song, the first chorus says, there was another in the fire. That's past. The second chorus says, there is another in the fire with us. That's now. And then the third chorus says, there will be another in the fire with us. And that's the future. And we could take confidence in that, that God was with us. We could look back and see when he was with us. Amen? We could look right now in our lives and see that he is with us now, no matter what we are facing, no matter what conflict might be in our face, no matter what fear we are facing, God is with us. And we know and we can trust that in the future, based on who he is, because it says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is faithful. He is sovereign. He is God Almighty, that he will be with us. Amen? And when we could, because of that, we can stand in the midst of fear. We could stand in the midst of conflict and stand and be faithful to him, not worrying about what others think, not worrying about the outcome of what might happen because we're trusting in who he is. And when we live this way, when we don't cave into fear and live a life of faith, we see what happens. Literally, people that might be our greatest I don't want to use the word enemies, but they might be speaking hurtful against us. They may be speaking hatred. When we live our lives faithful to him, they will see the love of Jesus Christ on display. Amen? Because it says, Nebuchadnezzar literally said, nobody will defy their God now. He threw them into the fire because of they wouldn't bow down. But he saw the power of God in their lives. He saw the power of God on display. Imagine if they would have bowed down. Imagine if they wouldn't have lived out that faith and lived out obedience. But they knew who was with them. So my challenge to you here today is this, is maybe what's in your life right now that you've been just scared to take that step? Maybe it's a dream God put on your heart. Maybe it's just something. Maybe it's something that you know you shouldn't be doing and you're just, you're scared because what people will think or you might lose friends in the process, whatever it may be. But what is in front of you that you're experiencing fear that you know you need to take that step of faith? I challenge you to take that step no matter how big or how small it may be. Start small and keep seeing how faithful God is. Because he is who he says he is. And we can trust in him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day, God. I thank you, Lord, that you are with us. I thank you. You tell us you don't leave us. You don't forsake us, God. Thank you that you are with us when we are in the fire. I thank you that you're with us on our way to the fire. You're with us when we're in the fire, and when we come out of it, God, we know that you are there, God, and we know that you protect us. We know that you sustain us, Lord. So I pray for everybody listening to this, God, that, Father, maybe you have a dream you've put on their heart, God. Maybe there's a challenge or a fear, Father, a bad diagnosis that is in front of them right now, God, that maybe they've been experiencing fear in God. Father, right now, 
I break that fear in the name of Jesus, Lord. And I pray that we could step out, Father. We could live our lives in a way that would show you to others, God. We could live a life of faith that honors you, God, and trusting in you, Lord, Lord, with the outcome that we surrender, Father. We surrender our control over our situations, and we trust in you. And most, most importantly, Lord, we are obedient to your word. In Jesus' name, would you say amen? Amen. Let's stand up. Let's worship. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.